Welcome to the Healthy Charleston Podcast, where we help you take ownership of your health and fitness. My name is Hannah, and I am here to be your source of accurate health and fitness information while spreading awareness about all of the different health and fitness resources available to you in the Charleston area. Be sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. I hope you enjoy the show. What's up, people? Welcome back. This is your host, Hannah. And on today's episode, we got to talk with good friend and local weightlifting expert and genius, Jordan Wigger, owner of Low Country Barbell Club. And we've done a few super informative episodes in the past. So today we decided to talk all about cold plunging, cold therapy, cold water immersion, ice baths, whatever you want to call it. Hot topic right now. So we talk about the benefits, the side effects when you want to use it, when you should avoid using it. And we talk a lot about recovery in general and how to maximize your recovery so you get more out of your gym time, your runs, your lifting, whatever you're doing. So a lot of knowledge, a lot of fun, and I know that you're going to learn a lot today. So before we start, please subscribe to the show and follow us on Instagram to stay in the know. Otherwise, here's Jordan. What's up? Hello, hello. It's What's been up? a minute. What's up, bud? Like, <laughs> What's up? It's been a while. It has been a little while, yeah. It's been so long. I didn't have these mics last time. No, you didn't. You're all fancy now. You're, I know. I've really moved up in mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I see you all the time. Mm, but well, all the time. I don't know. And like, probably like once a week. Yeah, if you're lucky. It's yeah, if, if I'm, I'm lucky. If I'm okay. If I'm <laughs> lucky to to come and have my form adjusted. Adjusted. <laughs> Something like that. Oh. There's my sometimes goodness. I'm like, I need I need eyes on me today, and sometimes I'm like, I don't want anybody watching me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the most of the people at the club would probably prefer to have days where they can be like it's like a switch you can be like oh i don't know jordan today yeah right? no jordan today this is not a jordan today yeah, <laughs> yeah. how uh, is everything going what have you been up to in the last i don't know six months uh it's been good we've just been really busy in in good ways um jim is growing a lot um we're also starting to kind of like expand out a little bit i have um a couple long distance runners that i'm programming for now um, which actually, I don't think you even knew that. No, that's cool. Um, yeah, I've got a How couple. Distance. Um, Mary Grace is training for a full. She ran a half at the qualifying pace for the Boston. Um, and so right now we're kind of working on getting up to her first marathon where she's going to be like attempting to qualify, but it's always hard, you know, doubling the distance and trying to hold the same pace. <laughs> It's like the um, dream. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, we're taking our time. We had like a 19 weeks basically is when she came to me with it to prep. Um, we're also doing like two days a week in the gym, which has been super helpful just in general. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll just kind of like get up to it, see where we are, and then make adjustments and kind of move from there. Once we've gotten up to marathon distance, it'll be a lot easier to kind of train there because um, it won't be like such a new big shock to the body. Because right now my real job is – to figure out how we can hold as much speed as we can while getting as much distance as we're ready for. Um, She's never done anything more than a half. You know, I'm not sure if she has lifetime, but I don't think so. Yeah, Um, it's getting her body used to that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 19 weeks is plenty of time to get up there, but if you're also trying to, same thing, to maintain speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's going really well. 19 weeks is also long enough where I'm expecting there'll be, you know, a hiccup or two or we'll have something that we have to address, which is pretty normal. You have time Um, for that. Yeah, exactly. And, 
you know, I'd rather plan on being up in the 18 to 20 mile range, like a month and a half to two months out, like with a bunch of time. That way, if something happens and our plan gets pushed back a little bit, we'll still be up in that range that we need to be well before we really like, quote unquote, need to be When's there. When's the race? I need to look. I think What's we're 19 on, weeks from now? I'll it's be... not from right now. Oh, we're, okay. already, we're like seven or eight weeks in. So like 12 weeks. Yeah. So three like months. Mm-hmm. What, what day is it? It's yeah. June. And she's like, done, I want to say either 16 or 18 so far. So we're oh, already cool. like pretty close. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're golden. Oh, I mean, who are you talking to? I'm, well, I mean, don't give her yeah. any credit. It's definitely all you. <laughs> no, she's great though. She communicates really well, um, is totally fine when we have to make changes. It's not like she, like, she knows that the plan is, is just like an, I don't want to say an outline, but it's kind of like. Whenever you write a training plan like this that's so long-term, like, obviously I'm going to write it as if things were perfect. Yeah. But they're never going to be. So You're change it's, things. Yeah, always, always. So she's been she's been great. She communicates really well um, and gives me a lot of feedback and information. Hmm. Um, like someone else I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give a lot of feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's notes are like... Meep. This was hard. <laughs> Meep. My all caps shoulders. <laughs> and that's all I'll get. So you know. but I feel like you know how to interpret those now. I'm like, I don't really need to write. I mean, I did at the beginning, but I'm know. just like, ugh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it was hard. Okay. Gosh. She said ugh, but rated it a four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I know is just Hannah putting on her drama tiara. Yeah, well, I, I don't have to put it on. It's, it's just there. It's, it's permanently <laughs> it's glued to you your You know, scalp. like the Night King and Game have, of Thrones? You have one of those body mods where they just drilled it into your skull? Yes, yeah. I am the Night okay. King. <laughs> <laughs> You're... You, question mark? Yeah, I, I'm okay with either. <laughs> okay. It's 2023. Right. Yeah, yeah. You've been running a little bit these A little days. bit, yeah. I mean... Tell me about that. People don't know this, but I ran the bridge run in like a 3804. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> That's really great for you. Yeah. I have I've done like a sub five minute mile. My two mile used to be like ten fifteen. So there was a point in time when I was You liked to run? I love to run. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I get even now, like even from just doing the mile, I'll get um like a huge endorphin boost afterwards. It. Okay. Yeah. So <clears throat> it'll be nice to kind of get back in normal running shape again, which it's just hard with running the business and like weightlifting being the actual priority still for me personally means that um, it's just going to take a while. Because, like, if something has to get nixed, then running is going to get nixed because the other stuff is more important right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not anticipating that I'm going to be in the sub fives um, anytime soon, if ever again. It's it's also, like, I'm just going to do it because I like it. Um, not so much because I'm, like – Training. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would – I would love to be able to do – get back into, like, the sub 40 uh, corral at the bridge run and stuff like that. But, you know, we'll we'll see. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but anyways, so um, I heard you have a, a new power lifter that yeah. just did some cool some, things. Some cool things, yeah. <laughs> He's not so new, but it's uh, it's been a little bit over a year. Okay. I want to say like a year and three or four months. His name is uh, JP Jose Paredes. He's in Colombia. Um, he actually, for those of you who know JJ, who's one of my other um, weightlifters, um, they started powerlifting together in Colombia. So that's how I. You know, where in Colombia, like what gym is he at? Like a commercial gym, like a oh, punch. Yeah, dang, mm-hmm. good for him. Yeah, um, he's somewhere else now, but that's where they were initially. Oh, okay, um, just some bros lifting literally. things. Yeah, exactly. And then they realized they were both really good at. <laughs> yes, 
But yeah, so I went up and like handled him at a meet, counted for him and stuff. That was before I started coaching him. But he was he had been friends with JJ and I had met him a bunch and you know he had come down to the gym and trained a couple times and we chat about some things. So I went up and handled him and we did really well. And then I think he was excited just from having that experience because he had always had to like count and like get himself. Do it all. He never up. had a coach. Yeah, he never. Well, you know, there's. There's a coach, and then there's also a handler, and they don't, handler. they're not always the same thing. What are, um, the, what are they? What is a so handler? Other a handler than like- is somebody that just goes to the meet with you and basically times your warm-ups and will, like, tell the table your attempts and stuff like that. Um, You're like a pimp. <clears throat> maybe. You're uh, like a pimp for the no, weekend. No, not like that. <laughs> yeah. It it's more like, like all I want him to have to worry about is being, like – Crow Magnon man and pick things up and put them down. Do the lift right? itself. Yeah. I'll yes, handle everything that's else. That's it. Um, weightlifting. Like a yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah. Weightlifting yeah. is kind of the same thing. Weightlifting is a lot more complicated than a powerlifting meet, but essentially the role that you play is the same. You're just doing all the things that the person who's actually competing doesn't have to think or use any of their brain power on that. They can just be like, I lift things. Good. I pick up, I yes, put down. Literally, yeah. <laughs> so that meet that I handled him at over a year ago went really, really well. So we started working together after that. And normally when I first start working with somebody who's been doing stuff for a while or whatever, I am less likely to make a bunch of changes right away unless we've talked and I know that there are things that we need to change. Generally speaking, I kind of like go with things for a little bit just to see how we're progressing, how we're responding to that. And then after a couple months, I'll know whether that's really serving us or not. So starting off, we were doing five days a week. I want to say he may have been doing six before we started, but Oof. you know, even then he of was- just lifting? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Even then he was already deadlifting in the mid fives, like 550, 560. How old is he? He's 23. What? He turns 24 in January, which means he's no longer a junior. How much um, experience does he have with lifting? Like when did he start? How old was he? If I had to take a guess, he probably started when he was in high school for sports related things, football. Yeah. But I don't remember if he played football. Um, it's one of those, we talked about it when we first started. And then once I had the information that I needed to make those decisions, I haven't really talked about, thought, haven't really thought about it much. Um, cause to be frankly honest, a lot of the changes that we made were some athletic development things like general athleticism, um, and even a little bit of cardio so that he would recover a little bit better. Um, it was less specific cause after those first couple months, he and I kind of sat down and talked about some things. He had a bunch of like when I say outside life stressors, I don't mean like he was doing dumb things. It was just like, you know, he life. really, yeah. He So JP cares about three things. He cares about his kid, right? Oh, he has he a cares, kid. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He cares about his job and he cares about the gym. Yeah. And that's, that's it. Like, and I'm not, this is not me talking smack. Like, that's it. He's the three, three things. Those are three big things. Only, yeah, yeah. Those are the only things he really cares about, right? Yeah. He's got, fr- you know, obviously he hangs out with friends and stuff, but that's, that's kind of what Priorities. I'm Priorities. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we kind of sat down and talked about how his stuff outside of the gym was going to affect those things. You know, I want to say he was eating somewhere around 2,200 to 2,500 calories, but that was also like very intermittent. Some days he was way higher, some days he was way lower. Um, And then also like protein intake, which is the most important macro that we'll look at. Carbohydrates are important too. Um, but we didn't really look at those. Those will usually, if your protein intake is where it needs to be, the rest of that will most of the time take care of itself. Um, but he was like way down there. So now he's at like 4,000 calories. Dang. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Yeah, he's he's doing really well on that. And then a couple other things, we moved him down from five days a week to four, which is funny because most people think, oh, to get better, I got to do things. And you know, there are definitely times when that's the case. Like if you want to get better at squatting and you're only squatting once a week, then yeah, you should probably squat twice a week. So we still squat twice a week. We still bench twice a week, but we only deadlift once, but we'll do another accessory style pull, whether that's an RDL or something that I think also really helped with JP was like heavy Jeffersons with a barbell. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I know those. Yeah, I know yeah, them. Yeah. <laughs> we we started really light. I mean, I don't think we went anything over 100 pounds for the first month and a half, maybe two months. And then at some point, we were doing like 185 to 200, and he would move it like crazy fast. And I'd be like, oh, let's go more. And he would go like five pounds. I'm like, JP, mm-hmm. like, no. More. Like, yeah. more, more. You can deadlift over five. Like, yeah. this is not enough. And one day... I didn't like blow up on him, but I was like, <laughs> I'm going to freak out if you don't put more <laughs> weight gonna on the scream. Yeah. I'm going to blow God, up. Lose it. <laughs> yeah. So he like went up to into the 300s. And then I think the last big Dang. training set that we did of them was like 350-ish or something for sets of, I want to say somewhere between four and six, which still wasn't maximal, but I don't need, that's an accessory yeah. lift. I don't need it to be maximal. Why did you, why do you feel like that helped him so much? Um, for power lifters, especially like you're going to round your back when you get into a heavy deadlift, right? Um, some people will be able to maintain and still do maximal stuff, but like if you're going to fail into a rounded position or if you have a longer spine or just like your, your, uh, you know, proportions would lend to having a more rounded start, like if you're a power lifter and you're not doing Jefferson's and then working your way up to where you can do them fairly heavy, then I think you're missing out on a lot. I mean, his deadlift went from in the 550s to 560s to 611 in Dang. about seven months. Yeah. Um, and some of that is all the other things that we just talked about, about calorie intake and protein intake and reducing outside stress and moving training days down to four days a week instead for the appropriate dosage and all that stuff. But I think another big part of that is his back is just stupid strong now, right? And it was before. Like, nobody's walking around deadlifting 550 and be like, yo, dog, you got a weak you back, You got a weak son. back. Like, no. But, like, now, if we flex a little bit off the ground and that gives him a little bit more speed, then that means later on in the lift, he can straighten his back out yeah. because we've been doing all these Jeffersons and it's no big deal. And There's it's no not problem. scary. It's not painful. It's None not new. Yeah. It doesn't make him mm-hmm. incredibly sore. It's like... If anything, it feels better because he feels the bar moving faster. So then yeah. he puts more aggression into it, right? So, Versus a lot of people, I feel like... I mean, even like me, you know, now getting into heavier Jefferson girls, but definitely like a lot of people in the gym, once they get to those max you know, ranges and they start to feel their background, they freak out and yep. they fail the lift. Because they're, they're less worried about putting in, you know, aggression and intention into doing whatever they're doing. And they're more worried. Like, they're not, not used to the yeah, feeling. exactly. And this is not a judgment on those people at all. But like nobody, like people don't want to get hurt. So if you feel, yeah. if you associate those things with pain and injury, then you're much more likely to like stop or not yeah. push as hard or, you know. Even if it's of- even just like if you're never used to sprinting at, like, you know, 90 to 100%. Oh, yeah. Then you're like, oh, this feels you, miserable. You do it so the first time, like, you're like, holy crap, right? What yeah. are all the things that you need to be okay with feeling 
for this sport. Yes. It's like knees caving in, coming up from a squat. If yep. that's super new to you, you're going to fail the lift before your body employs other strategies to lift the weight. Mm -hmm. Especially like, and it's another good example because in that case too, you might feel it happening and then be like, oh, I need to push them back out. But that might be your body's way of creating enough torque in the yeah. hip to push up on the bar or whatever. So I think that's another really good example of you know, a sport specific positioning or pattern that's going to crop up for a lot of people when they get to maximal things. And because so many of those things are demonized, they won't train them normally or become comfortable with them. And so when it does happen on something that's maximal, they get more tentative or they try to change back to their, you know, quote unquote, normal form or whatever. Yeah. Or they do get hurt because they're not used to it yeah, now. The yeah. only time or they've, they've never, ever done it exactly. is a max rep. When like, they... When I say fail into the position, I mean like if that's where your body is going to like push back into once you get to something maximal, then like you should probably train that anyways, you know? If if you're going to be going for maximal lifts even like two or three times a year or going like very close to failure on those lifts, to yeah. like which most people for training, you're probably going to go to failure fairly often if you're like training hard. Um, and well, if think about like CrossFitters, like even in you might be going to failure in a friggin' Metcon. Exactly, yeah, like exactly. you're gonna go to mm -hmm. failure in a Metcon. You're yep. also probably gonna max out in class or yep. find a heavy set of three. And yep, how yep, often yep. are you training for that stimulus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, all all that being said, I think it was it's obviously always a combination of things, but I think it was a big combination for JP in this last like seven to eight month period where we really got. Uh, nutrition stuff handled well. Um, his sleep, also, which I meant to mention earlier, was way better. We went from average of five to six hours tonight to now it's only really like seven to seven and a half, but mm -hmm. even that by itself more. is way better. Um, and less one less training day. Yeah, and one less training day I think also made a big difference because it was just too much overall stress. Um, but, you know, you can't argue with 50 kilograms on your total in like seven months. And, you know... I don't remember if you said it, but he put he put up the tenth highest total worldwide for a junior um, seventy five kilo lifter, which is Dang. massive. Yeah, um, and we didn't even make our third squat or bench, which he's totally capable of making. And when lifts. did he do that? Uh, the third of June. Oh wow! So not super long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he has until January before he's out of the junior category. So we're probably going to look for something this fall. Um, we've looked at uh, the Olympia in Florida. We've looked at a couple other meets. So, you know, the idea is we just go and we increase by a little bit more and just see where we can get to before he's out of that age group. Um, so with him, it wasn't he needs more training. It's mm -hmm. like he needs less stress. He needs the right amount, right? And that's how it is for everybody. It, it's very true that there are probably people out there that are like, oh, I want to get better at this specific thing, but they need more uh, stimulus for that specific like intentional thing. intentional stress. Because yeah. mm -hmm. it's always about what's the minimum effective dose and then what's the most that we can do and still recover. And then you always want to be in between those two values. And then for each person, it's going to be different about like where in that uh, spectrum you're going to be sitting. Um, and you should never sit in one spot on that spectrum for too long either because you never really know where you're going to get the most bang for your buck. So y'all weren't able, and I, I feel like I see this a lot too, like he wasn't able to intentionally stress the things that we needed to stress to get heavier lifts because he was overall experiencing too much stress. So I think the scientific way of saying this is 
take Bikini Bottom and push it somewhere else. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> I say that all uh, the time. Um, it's just redistribution of yes. intentional stress. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. He was under-recovering and also over-stressing. Great. I think both <laughs> things were true. So just, um, yeah. And he was still getting better, but it was like marginally better, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know. Surviving. Yeah, like you could put 10 kilos on your total in a year. Cool. But what if we put 50 kilos on it in seven months, right? Which for powerlifters, that's like newbie gain territory, which is more just to show that when you focus on the things that are not what everybody like immediately defaults to, right? You focus on how am I getting the best adaptations from my training as opposed Ooh. to what is what what other training can I do, right? The answer is not always that you need to change the kind of training that you're doing, which in some cases it is. Like with JP, like specifically talking about the Jefferson curls, right? Like that is a specific change to his training that we made that had a big um, that had a big contribution to the increase in weight that we saw. His adaptation. Yeah. But that was only one of the – I mean, that was probably the only big major thing that we changed in the reps, with the exception of adding in some more plyometrics and things like that for general athleticism because um, I think that's something that gets neglected a lot with powerlifters is they're not doing a lot of jumping. There's like almost no cardio, so it's harder for them to recover in between sets or after sessions in general because um, their body's not used to that style. Their body's not good at recovering from that style of stress. And they don't need to be some like freak cardio athlete, but just being in general overall better shape is probably going to make it easier for you to recover and get more progress um, from your sessions because the sessions are less stressful in that metabolic – like yeah, yeah, in that specific metabolic pathway. That way you have more resources to put towards the metabolic pathways that you actually want to get better at, which is you know where we ended up. The Healthy Charleston Podcast is brought to you by Made to Move Physical Therapy. Made to Move Physical Therapy specializes in helping you get out of pain and get back to doing what you love. We offer relationship-oriented, one-on-one, individualized care to all of our clients, and we believe in putting the patient's needs first. If you'd like to work with me or any of our other physical therapists at Made to Move, check out the link in the show notes and get 10% off of your first session. We have locations throughout Charleston, Mount Pleasant, West Ashley, Somerville, and Daniel Island. Don't waste another day stuck in your pain. Follow the link and schedule an appointment today. Yeah, I like that you said it's it's about figuring out like how are you getting the adaptation? Mm -hmm. Because so many people just look at it as I need to get better. That means I need to train this more and I need yeah. to train this more specifically. Mm -hmm. But that's not you know, the full equation. Yeah. And, and like I said too, there are definitely times when that's the case. If you are, you know, somebody who wants to get better at running and you only run once a week, that's probably not, maybe in the beginning when you're very first starting, that's enough to get better. But that's a situation where you probably need more of that. But if you want to get better at running and you're running six days a week already, you know, especially if those six days of, if even two of them a week are like, maximal intensity or like, you know, uh, the high end of distance of what your body's normally, you know, acquainted with or whatever, then that's a situation where it's probably too much. It, once again, it's always about like, what's the range and how do we fall in the right spot of the range or like, you know, changing that over time and getting a broad spectrum of 
amount of work um, that's all above the MED and all below the MRV. So. It's almost like looking at like you the example with a runner who's already running six days a week. It's mm -hmm. like the stress is already there. Yeah, you're not adapting to that stress. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. figure out why. Exactly. Yeah, or you're adapting to the stress, but it's very, 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 very slow. And you're getting 1% better every six months instead of 5% better Which every six months. I think a lot of people would think that that's the expectation. Like people, you know, maybe JP was like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little bit better every year. Like maybe that's all I can hope for. Yeah. When it's like, you actually have so much more room for opportunity here. Yeah. Well, and JP was already strong too. Like this is, this is the thing you think, okay, I'm strong. I'm getting towards the top end of things. Therefore, I, you know, cannot really expect to make, and sometimes that might be true if you've been doing it for 10 years and, you know, it might, that might be where we're at, right? But, you know, he's young enough and he has not been doing the sport for more than five years, I would say. Um, so for him, it was definitely a question of just like, we can make more progress. How do we get there? And also like, is it, for JP, it's important enough, right? Mm -hmm. Top three things are kid, job gym, right? Yeah. For other people, those priorities might not be there, right? And that's not that's not any judgment casting or any of that stuff. Yeah, it's that's just okay. like let's look at the reality what of what we are. What are your goals? Yeah, exactly. And are your actions aligning with your goals? I think it just it goes to show when someone, you know, really wants to get better, it's like are you willing to do the things that you need to do to get better? And mm -hmm. if not, that's okay. You don't yeah. have to prioritize this. Yeah, for sure. And that means you might still get better, just might not be as fast yeah. or you can still be healthy, you yeah. can still lift, you can still have the GPP benefits, but mm -hmm. like when you want to make this a sport and you want yeah. to compete, are you willing to do, you know, again, most crossfitters, you know, we compete on the weekends, but yeah. are we really training and preparing to compete yeah, all the yeah, time? Yeah. Well, and also as a coach, like my job as the coach is to give you the information and make the decision, not to push you in one direction or the other, right? If you say, coach, I'm in, I want to do this. And and like, I think this is the other hard part is like, I don't want my, my people even to lie to me about what they want, mm -hmm. right? And I think some people think, oh, the coach wants to hear me say, oh, I want to be the best that I can be and all this stuff. And they say it, but like, I don't want you to tell me what I what you think I want to hear. I want you like because my job is to give you the information in the best way possible so that you can make a best decision for where you want to end up, and that you can meet your goals. Yes, and now if that means that you know we have to have a talk about oh well I want to you know just making some I want to make a world team, right? That's where be, I'm at. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> might be, okay, well, we need to make all these. <laughs> we need to change everything. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. And, and you know, my job is not to say, Hey, like I, I won't ever really be like, Hey, that's impossible, but I probably will be like, due to the way that we're doing things now, that's probably unlikely right now. <laughs> I, I know. I know. <laughs> now, if, if you want to do that, I'm open to helping you make those changes and talk about how to go about it and all that stuff. But let's, you know, it's about realistic goal setting so that you have also like good management of expectations. Cause I think a lot of people fall short where their expectations or even their quote unquote dreams are like vastly far and away from what they should be focusing on, at least now for short term. Like what's your six month goal? What's your one year goal? What's your five year goal? And then what's your 10 year goal? And now if you, your 10 year goal is this big giant thing 
your six and your one year don't need to necessarily line up exactly with that, but that means that they need to be moving you in that direction, right? If it means that, you know, you want to make, like if let's say you're a weightlifter and you want to be on an international team, your six month goal probably should be more about priorities changing, right? And like trying to set yourself up so that you know, your training and your recovery from training make more sense than it is about like, oh, I want to hit this exact number. That's not to say numbers are bad goals to have because I think that's useful also, like realistic expectations for improvement. But setting yourself up for where you want to be long-term is probably the smartest way to go about trying to structure your training. Like how is what you're doing today affecting you tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And And this, This is something else that I'm seeing a lot more recently is people will like, People will join on and expect that in, and for many people, this is the case, in six months, you start making progress. And for a lot of people, that happens, right? Um, but the real goal, the real like purpose of you hiring somebody to help you with your stuff, if you find the right person to do it, should be what's our long-term plan. And then we play the long game the best that we can because that's going to set you up for what you want in 10 years, Right. But I don't think that's usually the case. I think usually people are just so focused on short-term stuff. And when I say short-term, I I mean, even two years I would consider short-term because the length of an athletic career for a high-level athlete in a sport is usually like 10 to 15 years. Yeah. How often do we sit around thinking about 10-year goals? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's tough to fathom. Mm-hmm. And, and that's... That's not to say that your 10-year goal has to be, oh, I want to make a world... T-. It could just be... I want to be able to do everything, you know, RX in a CrossFit class, mm-hmm. right? That's totally reasonable too. Um, I think that conversation is probably even more important about expectations because it can be – there's so many things that you have to get good at for something like CrossFit where yeah. – <laughs> Yeah. A lot of focuses. Yeah, yeah it is. And, and you can't do them all at the same time, right? And that's you what just, most people do. Dude, and, yeah. And, yeah. That's it's, why you don't get better. Yes. It's so hard, whereas you could just stick some stuff on maintenance or even like drop something off for a little bit while you get better at this group of things. And then once those things are there, they're a lot easier to keep on maintenance while you work on other stuff, right? But I think that's people just want to see progress across the board all the time. And it's just like to be realistic about it, that's not how it works. Especially like this, for most of us, it's not our full-time job. Like mm-hmm. you're doing it an hour a day and you're yeah. doing a ton of other stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know how much I love Toast Bar. We like <laughs> completely took them out for a while. Yeah. And when we came back, I was like, oh, I'm still good at Toast well, Bar. Well, abs, your, abs <laughs> your abs are not going to get any weaker. Your kipping is going to get trained in other yeah, ways. Yeah, we were doing a ton of pull-ups. Exactly. It's, like, it's only going to get better, but people yes. get so nervous of like, if I don't do this every week, am mm-hmm. I going to lose it? Well, dude, so like, just to put this in perspective, in weightlifting, there's like maybe five movements that actually we care about. There's the snatch, the clean, the jerk, the front squat, and the back squat. And everything else is less important, generally speaking, than those numbers, right? Um, And there are times when we're going to like put some of those on maintenance during certain phases of training or drop, like right now, a lot of people in my club are on their general phase and we're only snatching, cleaning, and jerking one time a week. Yeah. Now that means four months from now, when we put them back in, they'll be more sensitive to it. So there's a lot of good reasons to do that. But a ton of people initially are like, well, I'm going to get so much worse at them. I'm like, we don't need to be good at them right now. Right? Like if I'm having to do that for five movements that we actually care about, then for CrossFit, when there's like 25, like how do you think that works? So, you know, and there is carryover, you know, back and forth between a lot of them in CrossFit. 
but I think it's it's hard because we have been conditioned more for short term like mm-hmm. feedback now, right? It's a lot easier. You don't have to go to a library and sift through a bunch of books when you want to find research. You just, you know, chat GPT it. Chat mm-hmm. GPT, you can go Google, just throw PMID at the back end of whatever you want to find out and <laughs> and you know hey, figure out it's what it's pretty that is. useful. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's it's just we're so much we're so used to getting things a lot faster now. And like hacks and yeah. well, tools and, I think, and and I think this is part of the benefit of exercise in general that I've been talking with people like more recently is it does teach you to just you have to play the long game yeah. more and delayed you have to be gratification. Patient. Yes, big time. Teaches you how to play the long game. And like the the only game that we're playing here with exercise in general as a foundation is the long game. Mm-hmm. Like if all I do is crush myself and exercise and then in two years I can never exercise again, like what did that do for my health? I have nothing to say. I don't know. I mean I like that's I don't know what, what a lot of people, yeah. you know, it's like mm-hmm. why, why not find a way to do this sustainably so that you yes. can do this forever, you know, as humans. Like you can't just take out movement mm-hmm. and expect to be – healthy, but that's yeah. not why a lot of people are doing it either. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and I think that comes back to coaches probably should do a better job at the management of expectations and like being real with people about that, right? Like, yes, we want to get better, but this the gym holds a certain place in your life. It's serving a certain purpose. When you hyperfixate or you try to do too much or all these other things that we've already kind of been talking about, when you do that, is it still serving that purpose for you? Probably not, yeah. right? It's usually the other the other way around. It actually yeah. starts hurting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if people view it more in those terms of like, oh, I want to still be getting better and making progress and doing these things, but is the gym overall serving the function yeah. that I need it to in my life, then good, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Is the gym supporting your life or taking away from it? Yes, big time. And there are plenty of times when maybe something does happen. Like if you do get injured or whatever, that maybe in for that short time period, it might be the opposite where it's, you know, I've got to deal with this small thing that nags and bothers me in other parts of my life. And that still might mean the gym is a net positive, right? Like in that time frame. Um, But it is, it is hard. Um, I think to get people to make that shift in mindset, like for me, like I don't focus big time on PRing much now. I still do, right? Like my last big cycle where I was focusing on power jerks with Sean, who's my coach, we made a bunch of progress, right? Like I hit like a 15 kilo PR and then another three kilo PR and like, just like kept on ratcheting it up. But none of that was because I was like, oh, I'm like doing all this other stuff and blah, blah, blah. And like, it was just like, oh, I just show up and train and take what's there for the day. Mm -hmm. And then if stuff isn't there for the day, I don't try to force it and it's fine. And I just, you know, we just roll on with the plan the best we can. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And when that's the mindset, it's like, oh, I'll try to be intentional when I'm training and put forth effort when I'm doing that. And then when I'm not training, I put it back in its box that's a lot easier for me to manage and maintain. And long-term, I'll continue to make progress, even though I've been doing this for like five, six years, like weightlifting specifically for five or six years now. You're not going to resent the gym. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, especially with people who want to be really good or feel like they have uh, the potential of being really good, it's hard for them to get to a spot where they don't get resentful. Oof. I don't know. And I think that's part of like – 
being elite it's not the it's not just the physical challenge of it it's the mental challenge but like a lot of the people that i know that you know are the upper middle class of crossfit like have resented it at some point yeah. especially the upper middle class like of crossfit they all have full time jobs yeah. and it's like until you break into all my time and mental energy can go into crossfit mm -hmm. at some point like you're trying to prioritize two things yeah and I think deliberate, intentional, like, assignment of importance will help with that, right? Like, JP doesn't take the gym more seriously now than he did back then. It's the same, but we've just, like, done a better job of managing our mindset around specific small bouts of, of working out, right? Like, if he has a rough training day now, it used to be horrible. And this is something yeah. that I've worked with tons of people that are in my gym now is, like, you need to stop letting bad bouts of training or bad stretches of training get in your noggin so bad and making it that you just beat yourself up or or get angry or or catastrophize. Yeah, like yeah. it's not going to be great all the time, right? It's yeah. almost always about we're just trying to like do a bunch of work and eventually at some point we pass, you know, we pass the tipping point, right? Yeah. We're now we're finally yes, exactly. We we finally pass that um you know, that point where we start to see some of the progress, but you might not see it for a little while and you need to be okay with that. And you need to be okay with not feeling hundred percent all the time and all that kind of stuff. And just like, just go in, do the, yeah. do the work that you need to do and do the best that you can day of, and then move. And like this, just go on and do, move to the next thing that you're going to be doing for the day. Just keep chipping. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just keep chipping away. And, un and understanding that it's that long-term process that we're looking for is going to set you up well long-term so that you don't get as burnt out you're not as mentally stressed from training. So that means your body's going to recover better from the stress that you're already giving it because you're not adding extra stress on by being like, why am I not better at these? Man, yeah. throw fit, throw my belt. Why does my cardio suck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. like with, I mean, with me and running, it's hard to go from a sub five minute mile, what feels like not very long ago, even though it was probably like eight years. <laughs> yeah. Um, to go from that to, you know, doing like an eight to eight and a half minute mile and be like, oof, that like kind of sucked. Like mm -hmm. I could sit here and be mad about it all the time, but like I just tell myself the same. Yeah, exactly. I give myself the same Everyone talk. Struggles with yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, just, it's like just like, just do the thing. And then if you want to get better at it, then you do the thing and, and focus more on it or whatever and change the amount of resources you're putting into it. But like, you know, you just got to take the time and be patient because the frustration is only going to set you back It's more. just going to make it worse. Yes. Yeah, I think the, the biggest skill – is learning how to not always draw conclusions about the way that you feel mm -hmm. about these short-term transient, you know, it's like the stock market. It's like, oh, seeing a little bit of a downturn, like a week, you know, you take a week off for vacation or you have a couple of bad workouts or you get sick. If you have, like that, that's just not going to affect you the way that we all kind of get in our heads and we think like, oh, it's all downhill from here. Yeah. This must mean that I suck. This must mean that I'm not getting better. This must be that, like, this is how it's going to be. I'm just going to always feel like this. Yeah. It's the same thing with pain, like trying yes. to not always draw judgments and conclusions about these sensations, about these feelings. Mm -hmm. Switching gears a bit with someone like, uh, I keep wanting to say JJ. They're, they're so similar. I thought that you made like a typo a while ago. <laughs> With JP, like it sounds like a lot of y'all's focus was on recovery and maximizing mm -hmm. recovery. And so I'm sure you used things like 
ice baths and cryotherapy. (laughs) You like my segue into that? It was a good segue. (laughs) But no, we we don't do any ice. We don't do any cryo. We don't do any of it. I want to fully, fully talk about it and dive in and like, because we talked before and I think it's really useful to talk about what, like where does it have a place? Because it does have a place. I think it's over applied. It's everywhere. There's some benefits, but I think just being informed and understanding, you know, the difference between what people think is happening and how it should be used versus what's really going on. Yeah. I think the first thing to do when talking about this is to talk about what does cryo actually do for us? And the answer to that question is- Why do we call it cryo now? Like they gave <clears throat> such a little cool, cold, ice, cold, you know? I, like, yeah. I mean, it all it all does the same thing. Um, it's all functioning through the same mechanisms, right? Um, and so what it does is it makes it so that there's a reduction in experience of DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness. Um, and it blunts the inflammatory response to training. And before we continue on, I think it's important to note that inflammation is a buzzword and a lot of people use it right <laughs> yeah. now. That's a bad rap for yes. sure. And so I want to talk about, there's more, obviously it's way more uh, complex than just what I'm about to break it down to. But generally I frame it as big eye inflammation or like chronic inflammation and then little eye inflammation or acute inflammation. And so people generally like, oh, inflammation's bad. I need to eat this food so that it reduces my inflammation (laughs) or I need to get in the ice bath so that it reduces my inflammation. But like if I am walking through the woods and I walk into a thorn bush and I get a cut on my arm, right? What happens to that area? Oh, it gets a little red, gets a little puffy, right? There's a bunch of clotting factors that come in into play to make sure that I'm not bleeding anymore. And then it maybe will be a little bit itchy because of there's repair happening. I'm talking, you know, over the next couple of days, whatever. Did this happened to you recently? No, it didn't. <laughs> but this is not the first time I've had this conversation. Yeah, for sure. I know you're shocked. Um, but yeah, so like that's little eye inflammation. That's acute inflammation. If that doesn't happen, then I just continually bleed out of my you arm. You don't heal. Yeah. So like this idea that inflammation is bad is it's just nonsense, right? Chronic inflammation where you have, you know, that starts to get into autoimmune stuff or like whether it's, uh, you know, like rheumatoid arthritis and all this other it's sort like of- chronic disease. Yeah. All yeah. of that obviously is a, is a separate thing. We're talking about the acute response to- the inflammatory response. Yes. Yeah. To training, right? Um, you don't want to reduce inflammation- because that's how you get better from training. That's right? what signals repair. It's a, it's a signal pathway, mm-hmm. right? If you, well, I mean, not even repair because like muscle damage, we know, we talked about this last time, doesn't all, doesn't directly lead to hypertrophy. You need mechanical tension. And there's some caveats, maybe, you know, muscle damage in, in addition to mechanical tension leads to more hypertrophy growth, but we don't know that for sure yet. Um, but the inflammatory pathway and response system is the only way that we get changes to tissue. And not just hypertrophy, not just building muscle. That's the only way that our tendons get stiffer and more robust and and, and uh, stiffer in a good way, right? Where they're better at transferring force, right? I would just like to say that marketing has done a, such a good job. The fact that we know tendons getting stiffer is a good thing, yeah. but tendons getting stiffer, you just had to caveat that because mm-hmm. so many people think stiff, stiff is, bad. is bad. Stretching yeah. has great marketing. Tendons getting stiffer is a good thing. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and I don't – now I want to like caveat into that too. Caveat but, on caveat yeah, on caveat. Yeah, so, so, so for people who are like, but stiffer is worse. If I have 
if I have a rope, right, and I pull on that rope and it's pulling on a lever to do some job that I want it to do, if that rope is super springy and elastic and it moves a bunch, when I yank on it, I get less force into the lever that I'm pulling on. So if I'm the muscle and the rope is the tendon and that tendon or the rope is super stretchy, right, and not very stiff, then I have very little force production from my muscle and I have very poor force absorption from the tendon itself, right? Now, imagine instead that that rope is like super fibrous and really like strong and, and it doesn't deform a lot when I pull on it, but it's like a really, really thick rubber band, right? Like the bands that you use to help you with pull-ups at the gym. Not like the one-inch thick. I'm talking about the big four-inch Like the black or the purple. Or yeah, the big boy. <laughs> it like flings right? you to the ceiling. Yeah, so imagine that that is what is connected to the lever, mm -hmm. right? If I pull on that, the force that goes through that, I lose so much less force from the muscle into the actual implement that I'm pulling, which in our case would be the bone, right? So a stiff tendon is good. That's better for us. It's way more robust. It's better at force production and force absorption, all these things. So moving on from that. So the things that inflammation does for us whenever we're recovering from, you know, stimulus, working out, um, Tendons get stiffer, muscles get bigger. There's also some um, changes inside of the muscle that we don't have to get into, but there's structural changes that happen from that inflammation pathway that makes it better and less likely to have like smaller acute muscle tears and things like that, especially for eccentric work. So it does lots of really, really good things for us, but a lot of people unknowingly blunt the inflammatory pathway after training when they think that they're reducing short-term inflammatory markers. Well, they're right? told decrease inflammation, improve recovery. And it's like, no, that's actually, it's, those things contradict each yes, other. Yes, directly contradict each other, yeah. right? If you want to, if you're trying to build more muscle, ice baths are going to get in your way, right? If you want to build stiffer tendons, um, ice baths are going to get in your way. If you need to recover short-term for something that you're doing, like let's say you're at a CrossFit competition and there's four wads in the day and you Oof. take an ice bath. Yeah. That is a situation where I feel it's appropriate and probably helpful to do that because you're not doing that competition in order – like that's not training. That's like – this is our comp time. This is when we're competing. You don't want the inflammation, especially like a multiple day. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think of uh, when they went to the ranch a few yeah. years ago and they did that insane trail run and where it was hot Dave Castro was like, turn around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they got to the end, they all got in ice baths. and Pretty much right away. They had multiple days of training, yes. but they don't want – it's not that they don't want the effects because those effects hurt. It's that – they don't want the effects because they're competing and those effects the next day would hurt them from competing. Yeah, For us, we want those effects. Exactly. You, In that sense, you are sacrificing long-term adaptations for short-term feel good uh, performance and feel yeah. good, right? And now there are other situations where that may apply. For, and so we talked about this a little bit, weightlifting. The technique that I use at 85, 90% plus, right, of my one rep max is going to be different than what I use at lower percentages. People are going to sit here and be like, oh, they should look exactly the same. But, you know, the relationship between my center of mass and the bar center of mass changes as the bar gets heavier. And that combined center of mass continually moves closer and closer to the bar as the weight goes up. So... No, you cannot use the same exact strategies to lift an empty bar as I do my one rep max. If your one rep max is double body weight, the center of mass is heavily weighted towards the center of the bar, right? End of discussion. That's it. So 
because the technical changes that I need to, to make when I get to those higher percentages only happen at the higher percentages, there's no way to mimic that, right? To fake it out without really messing up the timing of your lift, blah, blah, blah. Because that's so important, I might need to hit my openers like the Monday before I compete on Saturday or something along those lines, right? So in that sense, very like close to competition for weightlifters, it makes sense because powerlifters don't need to hit really high percentages to be technically sound because the squat, the bench, and the deadlift are less technically demanding than snatch and clean and jerk are. So for weightlifting specifically, I think that there's a time when ice baths can definitely be used to manage some of the stress of higher loads in training when you're getting close to competition so that you're not taking on undue fatigue. Because what really matters more is your technical proficiency at those higher percentages than absolute power output. Because we definitely see people that don't squat the most, right? That can snatch or clean and jerk more than other people because they're more technically proficient, right? Um, and even at high level competitions, right? The person who squats the most, like in a perfect example of this is March Seam, who is um, a super heavyweight weightlifter, right? He squats more than any of the other male super heavyweights, including Lasha, right? And not by a little bit, by like a, a solid amount, right? And now caveats, the other weightlifters may not train for max squats like Mark does, but all that being said, he clearly has the highest squat, but Lasha far and away has the highest snatch and the highest clean and jerk. So like, that's just a really good example of Lasha is just so technical mm -hmm. that he doesn't need as much force output. So that's a really good example of where like, just to show that the technical ability is more important, right? And so in that specific state, right? it might be beneficial for my weightlifters after we train heavy on Monday and after we train moderately heavy on Wednesday because we have to, because those technical aspects are way more important where ice baths might be implemented, I would say maybe a week, maybe a week and a half or two weeks away from competition at the most. Because you don't want the inflammatory effects to impede with your performance. performance exactly, but any other time of training Absolutely. The not. inflammatory effects are we need them. Are what yes. helps your performance. Yes. It's just not like, short what's, term. What's the point of doing all this training if you're not gonna if you're gonna stop yourself from getting better from it? So that's where I think people people get confused. So always people see elite athletes doing things at competitions and mm -hmm. overapply them to, you know, our whole lives. Yeah. But I think people are like, well, if elite athletes don't want it to affect performance why would I want it to affect performance? And I'm like, your CrossFit class on a Tuesday morning isn't your max performance or, yeah. or is it? Or are you trying to train and get a benefit? Mm -hmm. And that's where I think people still are like, well, yeah, it's used for performance and I, I need to go perform this week. Yeah. But like, no, you need to train. You need to train this week. You need to give enough stimulus that your body responds and make you better in the ways that you want to get better, which is why the stimulus is designed in the way that it's designed, right? To get you better at a certain thing. If you are trying to get the most out of that stimulus, but then you go and blunt your recovery by trying to reduce your inflammatory markers with an ice bath or cryo or whatever you are literally getting in your own way, right? You're deciding that, uh, you know, my car. Oh God, no, here we go. That's like, here we no, go. That's a bad example. I would just say like the, the way that we get the adaptation 
is not the stimulus. It's recovering from, from the, the stimulus. stimulus. Yes. So if you don't recover, it's like I said before, you're studying for a math test all day and I erase your brain. What is the point if you yeah. don't remember it? If your body doesn't say, oh, this signaled this and this signaled this, I'm going to use this to repair and to grow and to be a little bit more prepared for this the next time. Yep. So if you are you know, regularly using these for quote unquote performance, you're actually inhibiting your performance yeah, because you're not time. getting mm-hmm. the full effect. You know, like I want to heal from a cut. Yep. If I go train, most of us work out five to six days a week. I don't want to blunt the effect of that. Yeah. I worked hard for that. Do you care about feeling good for the next week after that ice bath? Right? Because that's really all you're getting out of that is you're just going to feel a little bit better for about a week. Mm-hmm. But long term, right? Um, you pulled up. It, it was like six to eight weeks, right? We already yeah. see a difference in response. Oh, and, and, four to and eight as little weeks. as four weeks. If it's that short, right, of a time frame for there to be a noticeable difference in the amount of, of response that you get from workouts – what do you think happens if you use an a ice year. bath for six months, yeah. for a year? Like how much progress are you taking away from yourself by using that? And and people will say, oh, well, that, you know, I don't use it for the hour after I work out. Like they do. It, your recovery doesn't stop the hour after you work out. That's why like daily nutrition is more important than your quote unquote anabolic window yeah. nutrition that's an hour right afterwards, right? Like you're still recovering and adapting constantly all the time so it doesn't even really matter when you do the thing that blunts the inflammatory response because the inflammatory response continuously happens your body's always doing the thing yes okay what about this because i feel like people will come back with this using these recovery tools after my workouts allows me to get a better workout tomorrow and so me getting a better workout tomorrow means i pushed harder and that over time, I think, is what people are holding on to. I was able to lift more weight, which means I'll actually get more response. But what we know is actually you are – Well, then you take another ice bath. I know. Exactly. Like you're <laughs> limiting your muscle response, your hypertrophy after that so that you're – like every single time you are still blunting your body's ability to make an adaptation. It comes back to – we are focusing on the wrong thing. We are trying to make short-term feel good choices, right? Yes. Instead of long-term choices. Like Exactly. And you're sacrificing the long-term for the short-term, right? Maybe it helps you and you feel good for a month to a month and a half, but at some point other people who are not doing that or or you like let's say that that you and you make a copy of yourself and one of you takes Ooh. ice baths and the other one does not but you both do the same crap right maybe in the first mm, 2 weeks the you that takes ice baths can outperform this other you right for that short amount of time but then other you their inflammatory response actually like starts coming around the corner, right? And they start seeing all these other long-term progress things happen, right? They start getting stiffer tendons. We start carrying more muscle mass, right? Um, we start having a – so if you're always blunting the inflammatory response to training, then that inflammatory response actually is probably going to be less effective when it does get to do its job anyways. Mm-hmm. So now this person is also better at recovering from workouts because they're not getting yeah. in the way of their recovery system. And so you get to one month out. Oh, you're probably about the same. You get to two months out. Wow, they're starting to pull away a little bit. You get to six months out. Dude, they've blown past me and I'm like a fish out of water. 
I got to I got to ice bath. I got to ice bath more. I got to take two a day. So right? I, like, people don't realize it, it's just again. It, it comes back to marketing. Marketing runs the world. It's like decrease inflammation, improve blood flow, improve healing. And I'm like, no, it actually this is decreasing healing because what your body does after exercise is on purpose, and it is mm-hmm. a good thing. Our bodies yes. are smart, and that is that response is designed to heal, to recover, to grow, to adapt. Yep. Now we are saying, nope, we're smarter than you. But I mean, it it all goes like- It, it doesn't, prom- so it doesn't promote healing, right? Like just straight up- It does up, the opposite. Yeah, straight up I can say that it does the opposite. Now I am not well-versed enough or trained in any way to read the research on the neurological side effects of those sorts of things. So there is any yet. So there supposedly is, okay. right? Um, supposedly some benefits for anxiety and depression. Oh, I thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But I don't, I don't know... I don't know enough to read those papers and be like, but oh, this is the conclusion. That's a different goal. Exactly. It's, it's when we're just talking over about applied. yeah, when we're talking about exercise, I can 100% say that we have enough research, and it's not even a ton, but just the research that we have now shows that there is a blunting of the long-term effect of exercise, which is the whole point that you do it in the first place, right? Um, I wonder. The I think there might have been a study about like endurance athletes, and I think it was just like not really a big effect. It was like if anything, it's probably okay, but that was not for resistance training. It was yeah. not for muscle growth. It was just like if you are primarily an endurance athlete, but I think that that still is implying like, well, what if this endurance athlete needs to build muscle? Like, well, and also endurance athletes in general, as a as a you know population probably should be doing more resistance training than they are now. There are definitely individuals that do a ton of it. Like a good example, Aaron Harold does CrossFit at least probably four to five times a week, and he does triathlons, right? I'm not talking about people like him that do a healthy amount of both. I'm talking about people who only run or yeah. only swim or only this. Or only it was th- just saying it, it did not blunt their aerobic. Yeah. It mm-hmm. only blunted their muscle growth. Yeah. I would also say like – If you feel like you have to do this thing every, you know, all the time or after exercise to make yourself feel better from training, why Mm. was the stress of training so So much much. to make you feel like shit? Like instead of addressing the result, address the thing that caused the result. And that's where I get frustrated of like, you shouldn't be, I get it. We all do those workouts. We have competitions and whatever. We go ham. We we go go hard. We throw down. But if that's how you're, if you need this thing you know, maybe it's Advil, maybe it's uh, manual therapy, maybe Advil it's heavy on that too because it does the same thing. Exactly, it the inflammatory response. Maybe you, you know, ice baths, whatever you want to call it. If you need this thing consistently to get through training, what you're doing in training is too much for what you've adapted and, and earned. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's one of these things where it's so hard to do it, but you have to take your ego out of the amount of work that you do. Point blank. That's it, right? So many people get attached to, I do so much work. I work harder than everybody else. Dude, Mm -hmm. it's not about how much you do compared to other people. It is for you what is going to get us the best response. And JP is a perfect example of this. He works so hard, right? Anytime that he's in the gym, I know that he's giving the most that he has for the day for what I'm asking him to do, right? Now, JP has seen the progress, not because he did more stuff, because he did less, right? 
And he's not worried about, oh, well, this other person is doing five days a week and they did six sets today and I only did four. So that means that they're going to get better. No, it does not work that way for everybody. You should be trying to ask, what is the right amount of work for me to get better? And people are not asking that question. They're just like, their ego is connected to how much. They're like, oh, well, I, you know, I'm in the gym more often than you are. Or uh, 4 a.m. up in grind, yeah. bro. I mean, like, that's our society. Like, yeah. we're so attached to being busy, working hard, and productivity. And sometimes the way to work hard is to rest. Like, yeah. what's the hardest thing? Taking a day off. Eating, eating as much as you should. Like, working hard doesn't mean that it's just the hour that you're in the gym. It's also working hard to manage your stress, working yeah. hard to fuel, working hard to go to bed on time, working hard to prioritize and have your, you know, your priorities straight. But people don't view that as the hard work. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. I think, I think people know that it's important and that it matters, but they think that the stimulus they're giving is more important when in reality they're both I, I wouldn't even want to say 50 50 because honestly the way that you recover from the stimulus is better if you're sleeping 10 hours a night and you're eating as many calories as you need to to maintain and enough protein and you're you know managing stress well you probably could do even less work and get more of a response because you just recover so much better right like and I just don't think people get that right like they're still things where sleeping a lot is attached to laziness and but but if you're in the gym like going hard in the paint for the time that you're there allotted to do it and then once you're done you focus on getting the most out of it it's like if i work at this job right and i have 10 projects that are due at the end of this week right and i work super, super hard and I do 10 of them, but because I have so many projects that I'm doing, about four of them are just trash and garbage. And let's say that those projects are like, you know, I'm trying to uh, give a presentation for an investment group or whatever and get, get them to buy my product or whatever, right? If four of those are trash and we just throw them out, what if instead of doing 10, I did seven, right? Mm -hmm. So if I do seven and they're all higher quality, right? Instead of for sure losing the four, now I have one more chance at a high quality product that's more likely to get my person to do what we want. So it's not always about the quantity of what you're doing. It's probably more likely that it's about the quality of what you're doing and the result of that work and the quality that you've put into it, as opposed to just more, 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 more. Yeah. People don't understand that training is stress and recovery. And like you said before, like, is it 50-50? Like, you can have recovery without stress. If you only have stress and you don't have recovery, there's literally no benefit. Yep, there's none. Like, you you're always just, have to have recovery. spinning your wheels. We have to have recovery just like if we don't do anything, we need yeah. to eat, you know, a yeah, sufficient amount. We need to the sleep. The process of being alive requires some recovery. And now you're adding purposeful, intentional stress. Yeah. If you want the benefit of that, you have to be intentional about the way you recover from that. Yes. I think it's the people people don't understand the things that help in the short term are not the things that help in the long term. Yeah. In a sense of like again, Advil. Mm -hmm. Let me let me foam roll so I can feel good and get rid of this pain before I before I train real quick. Let me yeah. ice bath and all those things, like we've all used those for mm -hmm. sure. Took an Advil yesterday, had a headache. Yeah. But like I know that that's not 
a long-term solution. It shouldn't be part of your normal My dream. Right? And like I uh, – Yeah, the beginning like, okay, A block is take five out Take it out. I yeah. mean, but that's what people – you know, people come in here and they're like, I'm in a place where I'm having to take – Advil every day to get through training. And it's like, how do we train in a way that you don't need to take Advil? Because that's telling me one, you're not recovering and we're doing too much on your body in general. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, as someone who I have cold plunged once Mm -hmm. and it was, it was amazing. It was great, but I, it wasn't for recovery from exercise. It was, I can do hard things and I think there there is a huge benefit as humans to overcoming stressful situations and being yes. resilient to stress. I just think that's a completely separate category of why we use these modalities. Yes. Like I love to sit in the sauna and read because it's my me time and it's like a way to force myself to not be on my phone and to like sit in something that feels uncomfortable and it feels relaxing. Well, and to be frankly honest, like the same way that we see that like heat is going to increase blood flow and increase nutrient delivery and therefore increase inflammatory response, acute inflammatory response, right? Um, and probably benefit recovery. Like the sauna is probably a much mm. better bet on yeah. these things than it is cold plunge or whatever, right? Um, you know, this is kind of getting into another section of weeds as it were, but you know, there are definitely things that can help with this. And caveat with the sauna, you probably need to rehydrate more and blah, 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 and all those other things. But like, you know, the idea of, oh, well, I want to get better recovery. And if I get higher nutrient delivery and higher blood flow to the area, then that definitely is going to increase recovery. Sauna might be a move for that in certain cases. Um, And this is not me being like, oh, you should do saunas instead. But it is... Once again, it's just the question of what do we want to get out of this thing and what is it actually doing? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not sleeping eight plus hours a night, if you're not eating adequate calories and adequate protein and carbohydrate intake, um, and you're not managing outside stress, you probably shouldn't give a crap about all this care. other yeah. stuff, right? You shouldn't be like, oh, well, I need my power dot or I need my, you know, I need my sauna or I need my ice bath. You got to get all these big basic fundamentals right first. And then if you want to try to fill in the cracks a little bit, if you're already doing all that stuff and then you want to also add in some of these other, I don't, when I say gimmicky, I don't. No, I I understand. The fancy recovery tools, they're everywhere. And it's like- But you got to get the basics right first, homie. Yeah. Yeah. Those those things are are maybe there to support, maybe there to supplement. But like, like you can't live off of athletic greens. Probably just piss some people (laughs) off. Like you can't live off of protein powder. I mean, but you could better than athletic greens. Yeah. At least protein powder is like giving you complete um, amino acid profile, you know? Yeah. You just, you would get so sick of it for sure. But I think- the big the big theme of this conversation is honestly, what's your goal? Are you doing the things that are going to result in that goal? And if you're not, I think it's a real conversation with yourself and maybe your coach of, does the goal need to change or do my actions and priorities need to change to reflect that goal? And I think ultimately, like, you know, our job and I think what we're passionate about of like informing people of accuracy and, and truth and evidence, like... If you're going to ice bath and cold plunge, know the effects and know why you're doing it and be able to make an informed decision that isn't just based on 
marketing and someone being like decrease inflammation. Yeah. And and this applies in a bunch of other ways too. And this is just a, to toot the horn a little bit, right? Toot it, man. We have um, some velocity tracking units at the gym now, right? If somebody is coming to me and they're only training maybe one to two days a week, right? I'm not going to be tracking any of their stuff. Even though it it there's use in it and I get all this information and data, if they're not doing some of the bigger, more fundamental things right in the first place, then it doesn't matter if I track their velocity on their squats or their pulls or any of that stuff. It does it won't give me any information to make actual decisions because we're not doing the big things first, right? I'm not going to need that information to make decisions for the athlete if they're not already sleeping enough and eating enough and training relatively normally, right? So it's something that you can add on on the top end that will help us make better decisions long-term and all that stuff. But, you know, I don't need to know how fast you're going to move 75% when you've only been in twice in the last, you know, five days if you're supposed to be in four or five times, right? It's it's all about application of, of what you're doing and what are you going to get out of it. And in many cases, it's probably more important to put our resources and time and effort into other things than all these fancy shiny bells and whistles, even though they can be useful, right? Yeah. I uh, recently, I like wrote a newsletter on this and it quickly turned into like a big blog and I had to cut it down. But <laughs> I think like when trying to decide should I do this thing? Should I use this thing that has been claimed to potentially help me? First, ask yourself, what is your current goal of training? And if you're spending a lot of your time and efforts on resistance training, you should probably stay away from cold therapy. Yep. What's my goal of adding cold water immersion? And is there something else you could do to accomplish that goal? Mm -hmm. People think, oh, I'm going to recover more. Okay, well, let's make sure we're actually doing the 99% of things. Yes. And if you're hoping to use it to decrease pain and injuries – well, we should we should treat else. that on the on yeah. the front end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then does saying yes to this mean that I have to say no to something else that I would either rather be doing or, or that would, would be more helpful. That would be yeah. more beneficial. Mm -hmm. And I think just like looking at these things through those lenses and those questions like if anything in life will help you actually make not just informed decisions but effective decisions for you and, and I your goals. And I think something you brought up earlier is also really important. It's hard as a consumer to see all this marketing all the time and be like, oh my gosh, well, like they say that it does this, but like, I don't know how to say this without being mean, They're trying to make money, right? They're trying to like, get you to come in and use yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. They have a bias and they're always going to present things in the way that their thing is going to be great and helpful and all this stuff. But does that actually mean that it's true, right? Once you recognize that everybody is trying to sell you something- Right, everybody, me included, I'm trying yeah, to sell you gym membership to or sell my coaching you or whatever. Yeah. yeah, but like, are they being honest with the representation of what they're trying to give to you? And if they're not, if they're not including caveats, if they're not saying disclaimer, this does help, but the research is unsure, and they're not being completely blunt and honest about those things, then like, you should probably take it with a grain of salt, right? When we have all these people out here being like, the mainstream media doesn't tell us the truth and all this <laughs> stuff. But then you see an advertisement for an ice bath and they're like, oh, reduces inflammation. You're like, oh, click $4,000. Yeah. What's up? Right? Like, just scroll through Instagram <laughs> and realize that you're being sold and marketed to. And it's not a bad thing. Like marketing can be very helpful because it can help you understand how something can help solve your problem. Yes. 
But that's the thing. Like you have to make sure it's actually going to help you solve your problem. Like Mm -hmm. you marketing a gym membership for someone who's like, I'm looking for a coach and a great place to train. Boom. Marketing just did an amazing ethical job of solving their problem. Of connecting two people that want the same thing. Somebody wants to pay time to get somebody's attention and energy and use the facility. And then I'm trying to get people who want that. So we're getting connected. That's the point. But if you have one person that's trying to make money and they're just using this thing as a facility, as a way to facilitate the way to make money. Even if it doesn't help you, even if you don't, Mm -hmm. I mean like, I don't need the clothes that I buy. And maybe (laughs) they believe that it does help you, but they're, it's also like, okay, are they reading this with a bias whenever they do look yeah. at relevant research for it? And if there's research that says it does help, but also research says that it doesn't, then the real answer is we probably need more. And we can't confidently say that it's net positive, net negative, right? Um, I think this this just turned into being an informed consumer. Yeah, I mean, like we are being sold to at all times, and yeah. it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just mm-hmm. like... Once you understand like that people are, you know, influencers on Instagram and all those ads, like they're crazy powerful. But now that you know that you are, you know, being sold to and you can ask yourself these questions, you can, you can know and you can sleep at night. Like I bought those pair, that pair of shoes because I wanted it. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I didn't buy this fancy recovery brace or like compression sleeve because it's actually might not help me. And Mm -hmm. I think just knowing- my time and money and resources might be better spent using something else or doing something else or whatever. And, you know, I think if you have a coach that just bluntly says, oh, this is good, this is bad, and everything's black and white, and they're not giving you context on any of it, that's probably a sign that they either have an extreme bias on that, right? Or I don't even say a coach, a person, right? Then it might be that you want to find somebody who's trying to look at things from a more nuanced perspective. Because if everything is black and white, then there's not a lot of actual deep understanding going on there because almost nothing is, this is good, this is bad. Almost everything is, well, in these situations, this is good. Just like we talked for 45 minutes about how cold Mm -hmm. water immersion in some cases is useful. There's a time and a place where like, like if somebody came to the gym and was like, hey, I got this big tub and we could put it and you could fill it up with ice or whatever. Yo, I got this big tub. What do you want with it? What's up? (laughs) Um, I'd probably be like, yeah, sure. Because there are times like, JJ has nationals coming up in a couple days, right? Like I leave for our youth kids tomorrow. Oof. Yeah, but JJ is going next weekend. Honestly, next week if we had a tub and he wanted to do an ice bath after Monday and Wednesday's training, I'd probably say yes. I'd probably be like, hey, let's do it. Because a week of that is not going to really yeah. cut us down, especially because for JJ, getting us to the stipend pool is the big goal right now. And so we need bigger performances. Competing and yeah. performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if he, if we come back from nationals in the first week back, he's like, oh, I'm going to take an ice bath. I'm like, hell no. No, you're yeah, not. Yeah, no, right? we're not using There's this. There's a time and a place for almost everything, but it just has to be within the right context. I also think it's kind of cool. Like, you know, I, ice as a form of healing from, uh, you know, rice and all that mm-hmm. injuries has been redacted. But a lot of it, like, a lot of the research was like, ice doesn't really have that big of an effect. Like it is cool now and almost kind of scary that this cold water immersion actually does have an effect. Cause Mm -hmm. at first I was like, if it does have an effect, it's probably negative. It's probably pretty small, but it's like, Ooh, it does have an effect. Yeah. It's negative versus, you know, your typical ice pack doesn't really do. It definitely doesn't help 
Well, it might help with a little bit with the pain relief. Mary but... Grace, my runner, had mm. a bit of Achilles discomfort, and the first thing that she was like, "Oh, I know, I need to ice it," and I was like, ah, "Marketing, no. like just hang tight, right?" <laughs> yeah. Um, and we're like already. It was probably about a week and a half ago. And already just from like trying to wait it out because the body will get better over time. Most of the time, it's a question of like, we need to kind of get out of the way a little bit or dose it in the right way so we get the right response. But one thing we don't want to do is blunt that recovery. And as soon as I explain that, right, she's on board because she's yeah. like, oh, I understand the systems that are involved now. And instead of me saying, don't do it because I said so, I'm saying, hey, this is what I want you to think about. This is how this works. And this is how this might not be getting you what you want in the long term. We don't want to ice it now and feel good next week. We want to, you know, take the time to make sure that it recovers and maybe work on nutrient delivery or whatever with some blood flow, like some heat. And then when we actually run the marathon, it doesn't bother us at all. Yeah, you're right? not dealing with this for months. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just that same conversation of short-term versus long-term. And then the conversation around it is just going to take a long time to change because the so many people were told rice for so, 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 so. So many people were told so much BS for so, so, so long. Well, and it's hard too because people were like, oh, well, they just didn't know what they were doing. Like, no, it's not like an attack on any of this. It's just like over time we get better at figuring out what's we going on. We get research yeah. and mm -hmm. it was like, oh, actually we should not blunt healing from there's an a, injury. There, there's a reason why we don't use asbestos anymore. There's a reason why we don't have lead in paint anymore, right? Oh, like, man, you're right. All those things that have been like came recalled. from yeah. research. And like nobody's being like blah, blah, blah. Or like even with the cigarettes, right? Where for mm. a long time, there were people with extreme biases that were trying to do it in a way so that they could sell it to you, but it was really harmful. And I'm not saying that this is exact well, one-to-one where, you know, yeah, yeah. Or, or ice is going to harm you. But like, there were people that legitimately thought that that was good or that they were being told that it was good and they just didn't know, right? Mm -hmm. Like we get better at figuring this stuff out over time. And you yeah. can sit there and be mad about the time when we were wrong, but like, we're always wrong. Yeah. Humans like we're are just, wrong. We're just always trying to improve and get better at it. And you just got to distance yourself from being emotionally connected to these things. You know, there were times when I used to think a lot of stuff about having a neutral spine or yeah. I used to think that, um, you know, that doing things in certain ways was going to be bad for you or whatever. But there's lots of things that I've changed my mind on. That didn't mean that I didn't know what I was doing at the time. It just means that I'm more informed now or I have a better understanding of the nuance of it now or whatever. And there's probably stuff I'm going to be changing my mind on in the future. If somebody is never changing their mind on something, then they're not getting any better. So the expectation that society won't change and things that we quote unquote know won't change is silly. Do you want us to grow and get better as more information becomes available to us? Or do you want us to stay the exact same and never actually make progress, right? Like, it's it's just hard. People get connected to that stuff. Well, they think that once we know it, we know it. Yeah. And like, just- All caps, no. <laughs> just look at, I mean, like- you know, we can, we can be, we can be done soon, but like just yeah. looking at like the environment, like all the things that we have done with plastics in the last hundred years. And now we're like, Oh, maybe we should not have done that. Or we even, should change some things. Even a better example of something that we thought would be really good of taking a species from one place to come to this Oof. other place to fix something. Bikini bottom. And then it ruins the entire ecosystem. What, happened? what was that? It's happened in a bunch of times where oh. they like took wolves out of Yellowstone and then deer over eight. Yeah. And so there was like, 
a huge problem with like plants and shrubs not being able to survive. And then the deer died off. Right. Oh, and then God. we had to bring the wolves back. There's other examples the of that too. Back. Well, we had a problem um, where kudzu came into the US and then we brought a beetle from where kudzu is from to eat that kudzu. And then the beetle started overpopulating and then killing off other natural species of beetles. It's just we the just same thing. We just need to stop messing with we, things. Well, we, we just make mistakes, right? Yeah, and we go. know better now. When it involves beetles, you keep your beetles where they are. That's we don't right. need any more bugs. Take yeah. out all the bugs. <laughs> I don't want any bugs. <laughs> I know that for sure. But where can uh, people find you in the next couple uh, months? People can find me on lowcountrybarbellclub.com. Um, we have Instagram, lowcountrybarbellclub. Facebook, same thing. Um, the group classes that we host are LBC Group Fit. Um, there's a Facebook page for those too. Um, you can email me at jwigg1293 at gmail.com. The full email is going yeah, out. the whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, I'll be in Colorado for the next like nine days starting tomorrow. Um, but I'll still be like working and available and stuff. I just won't be as much at the gym. Oh yeah. The gym is 219 South Goose Creek Boulevard. You know? Yeah. So if you're up in North Charleston or Goose Creek area, we're up there. Give us a holler. Um, we have a bunch of new services really that we do now. Um, cause we'll do like form consults and stuff like that too, for people to, to make it a little bit easier for people that are further away. Um, remote coaching and all that kind of stuff. So cool. Awesome. Well, thank bang, you bang. so much. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please let us know and share it with your friends and on social media and give us a tag. Otherwise, all the links to connect with Jordan are in the show notes and have an awesome week.